G'day there, everybody. Welcome along to the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Aaron Noonan, Dimitri Camino with you. It is episode nine, and we've got plenty to get through. Long list of Q&As. We've got a, an interesting second-hand market discussion too. But, Dim, supercars last weekend at the Bend, back at the Bend next weekend. Bathurst's coming. It's a good time of year for motorsport, although it's not working out the same for all of us as it would normally be, but the fact that it's still going is good news. Yeah, good day, Noons. Yeah, plenty of motorsport still happening. Uh, Le Mans, uh, MotoGP it was great to uh, see as well. So pretty cool to be uh, catching a few uh, shows on a Sunday other. Absolutely, and we have plenty to get through on this episode. Great feedback from our last few podcasts. Uh, the numbers are growing. We are getting more and more listens every fortnight whenever we release one of these episodes. Our chats with uh, Will Hall from Authentic Collectibles, with Kim Jones, with Richard Poole from Bianti have been really popular. But our segment on the last episode about uh, the secondhand market of non-Bathurst and championship winning supercars, a lot of people I reckon were rustling through their cupboards trying to find if they had any of those cars that they might have thought weren't worth much but are actually worth a fair bit. Yeah, I think it's it's a great topic. You know, uh, a lot of cars can just sneak up in price, and um, you know, people got a lot of models tucked away in their cupboards and not always on show. So, yeah, but I think the hardcore guys know what they've got. I reckon there's a fair few people who know exactly what they've got, but there was probably a couple of people who listened to our last episode of the podcast and suddenly thought they've got something that's worth a little bit more than what they thought they had. Hey, let's wheel into it. Just arrived into Motor Focus uh, in Queensland. Uh, you've got three new trophies, and it's a good time of year to have Bathurst winners trophies. That's what everyone's racing for in a month's time. But if you own cars from the late 90s, early noughties, you can have some trophies to put with your models. Yeah, that's correct. We've finally uh, received the, the missing links. Uh, so we've got the Bathurst FII Bob Jane T-Mart 1000 from 99 through to 2004. Uh, we've also got the 2005 trophy, uh, which was only used for the one year. So those two are cool. And we've also got the 24-hour trophy from 03 and 04 uh, available as well. So they're in our accessory section on our website you can find them and um and put your order in the other thing too is if you have uh garages for your model car collections you need hoists because then you can fit more cars in so there's a few of those as well yeah great for dioramas and great for storing more cars in your space so two new four posters uh, arrived this week we've got the one with the goodyear livery and also one with the union 76 uh, the other thing, uh, 118 scale, if you like your, your Hemis and your Dodgers, good news there. Yeah, Acme, uh, who was used to be GMP, do some really high-quality uh, 118 scale models. So these ones uh, are like our street machine version. So we've got a 69 Plymouth Hemi Cuda, uh, what they call a street fighter, and it's in the blue. And also a 1970 Dodge Challenger RT street fighter. Uh, it's red with a black bonnet, roof and boots. So really cool, excellent detail. They sell really well for us. One that I reckon will go okay too is uh, with all those great super cheap uh, TV ads in the recent past for all the different oils, uh, they've actually made a 124th scale HQ in the Castrol livery that was in the super cheap TV ad as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. The uh, HQ Monaro 
are commonly known as handful. It's normally the purple car with the blowing engine. So they've released the Castrol livery, as, as you mentioned, in the super cheap oil TV ad. So grab that one now too. Uh, some 118th from Bianti. If you like your A9X hatchbacks or your 350 coupes, a uh, couple there. And if you like red, double double good news. Yes, correct, mate. The the LX Tirana A9X hatch in Madeira red. I wouldn't say it's a, a bright red. It's it's a real bronzy sort of red. So it's something a little different. Uh, also the HQ Monaro GDS 350 coupe in the Salamanca red. So both 118th auto art uh, People know the detail and quality of them, so they're not going to last too long. Uh, I'm interested in the next part. Pre-orders, 118 scale. Uh, everyone's probably been thinking, hang on a minute, you've just been talking about Holdens. Give us something Ford. Good news is there's a bit of something for Ford fans in 118 scale of uh, Coupe and something that's a really interesting car that I think will divide a lot of people. Yeah, correct. So the, the first one Classic Collectibles have announced is actually the Ford XA GT Upio. It's a sedan. It's a four-door in oh, dual green. My right. notes were wrong, mate. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you tricked me. I thought you tricked me. Yeah. So that's a really nice one. It's a dark sort of metallic green. But the next one, uh, Alan Moffat's XW64E 1970 Bathurst winner. Now, this is in the gold livery to celebrate 50th anniversary. Now, I'll put a call into Classics because this is the second one uh, they're doing. They, they, they recently did the Norm Beachy uh, Monaro in the gold. So what they're looking at doing is a 50th anniversary range, obviously, in the gold. And they're also going to be adding a 25th anniversary range, and they'll be silver cars. So they're only looking at about one to three cars per year over the... Over, over the uh, future years to come. So something that collectors can now start to sort of look at, knowing that there's a series coming and they can get on one. And like we always say, Dim, if you don't like that, if you like the traditional car and you don't like this, you don't have to buy it. There's no one saying that you have to add it to your collection. But I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be snapped up by a lot of people. Yeah, it certainly has. Like we, we put it on our website only a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the orders have been flowing through. I've been really surprised. And, you know, that's why I wanted to put the call into Classics and, and just sort of clarify what they're up to there. So our listeners know now. They do. And they should know also. But we will remind them. Motorfocus.com.au is the online place to buy your models of all sorts. And you join the Collectors Club and receive a 5% discount, which is always very handy. And, 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 bonus, bonus. $10 flat rate postage anywhere in Australia. So obviously the postal system's having a bit of a tough time at the moment, particularly uh, here in my end of the, the world uh, down here in Victoria. Uh, so things are taking a little bit longer. So please, everyone, no matter whether you're, you're buying model cars or whatever you're buying, a little bit of patience. Everyone's doing their best to uh, to get them to you. Uh, an amazing abundance. We've got Q&A questions coming out of our ears, Jim. So let's roll into it. By the way, before we start on those, congratulations. You won a trophy on the weekend. Uh, indoor cricket champion. Uh, are you going to post a photo of you with the trophy on the Motor Focus Facebook page? Oh, well, look, I do look after our fans. And if there's a request, I'll, I'll do it. But uh, yeah, I've been playing indoor cricket for a long, long time since I was probably 12, 13 years old. And um, thankfully, they've got uh, categories for old people now. So you know, <laughs> over 40s and over 45s is where I like to sort of, you know, show my wares now. Is it still minus five runs if you go out? 
Yes, it is. Thought so. Played indoor cricket as a young bloke and uh, copped a few injuries too. Yeah, it was. It's you can't get away from the ball when it's pinging around inside the nets there. But anyway, I just wanted to slip that in there and make you go bright red, which has happened. I can see it on the video call. Our listeners can't see it, but you can probably feel it in Dim's voice. Anyway, Stuart McNair, first up, um, he's asked: Is there much interest in putting into production uh, supercar transporter models? Something I haven't thought of. Any thought that there might be a chance of something happening? Yeah, our great uh, mates at Drake Collectibles do super quality trucks and trailers. So they have actually been uh, working behind the scenes on a transporter uh, designed around our Australian trucks. So you will see them hopefully early next year. There'll be some serious announcements. And uh, so 150th scale allows us to put a 143rd car next to it in front of it all that sort of thing, and it doesn't look out of place. Like, it won't quite fit in the back. Uh, I believe the mirrors will, will get taken out. But, um, yeah, Stuart, good news is that they're coming. Okay. Alistair's got a bit of a, a three-part question here uh, relating to classic collectibles. He remembers us talking about the 118 scale AU Falcon V8 supercars. He's asking, do Classic have any more plans to come up in the future with more of the, the AU Falcons of that season? He's pretty keen on the um, uh, the FTR cars of Glenn Seaton and Neil Crompton, uh, but he reckons it'd be cool if they went and redid some of those early sealed body models as opening parts tooling um, because there was a pile of those cars that they, they didn't make. Anything that might happen there with AUs? Yeah, look, I've checked in with Classic Collectibles uh, after sort of giving them some sort of ideas back at the start of the year. They're still assessing that uh, program and uh, also checking in on the moulds, as as uh, we learnt in a previous episode on the podcast, that they have to be maintained as well. So they are looking at it, but I don't think we're going to see any announcements till possibly next year on that one. Okay, speaking of moulds with Classic, he also asks, do Classic have the licence to do triple eight cars? And he thinks they've got the BABF mould, so any plans that they could do the, the Sandown 500 winning cars, uh, Craig Lounds of Unmuller from 05 and Lounds and Wink Up Vodafone from 2007? Yeah, not on their radar at the moment, uh, but I also believe the BA was turned into a BF, so that would knock out probably BAs getting done by Classic Collectibles in, in the near future. So, But, you know, it's something that uh, they'll be going back and looking at their their mould range and, and possibly what they can come up with. But uh, we'll just keep firing ideas at them and, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, these questions are great for them to hear. Keep lobbing them. And one last part of the question, any plans to do a 118 scale Falcon EBGT? Yeah, look, Alice is right in the way that it's the missing one of all the GTs, but no word from anyone at this stage. Sorry. <laughs> you freely let him down there at the end there. Oh, I <laughs> uh, let's jump. This was an interesting one. Uh, this one came to me that I passed on to you, actually, uh, from Andrew, who says he's got his hands on a diecast prototype from Classic Collectibles. It's a first decorated example of the 2009 uh, Greg Murphy Mark Scaife Sprint Gas Bathurst car, which very nearly and could have bar for a safety car, uh, won the race. But having said that, the previous safety car kind of got the back, back them in the race. But anyway, a whole other matter. He says, what's it worth? And do prototypes ever come on the market? It got him thinking that what happens to, say, the number one 
certificate of uh, car of every run. Would authentic collectibles keep number 17 because of the DJRs? Uh, what do the model manufacturers do with these with these samples and do they ever pop up? Yeah, really cool question there. Uh, generally, the certificate number one of everything is held by the, the makers for their own sort of uh, library. So other important numbers also get uh, grabbed before they get out into the public as well. Like I believe, you know, certificate 17 goes to DJR and maybe triple eight goes to triple eight and things like that. Um, so also loan numbers can be um, earmarked for the staff. They may have every number three or every number four or whatever it is. So we generally don't see those really special numbers uh, making it out into the marketplace. Uh, the prototypes is a really interesting one. Um, so in the process of making these models, you know, they get a sample, they get a decorated sample, and uh, all these things just bank up in, in their production areas. So I was able to sort of uh, get some of those things out of Peter from Classic Collectibles uh, for the Expos in the way of prizes, um, charity auction and things like that. So there is a little bit out there, but not a huge amount. So not having much out there, I don't think uh, us collectors are aware of it all the time. The other way they've made it out is Classic Collectibles actually used to do auctions on their website of these sort of special cars and they could go from anywhere to, from $600 to $1,200. So you know, I think, you know, we should uh, see them as very special, but the Australian uh, collectors haven't quite sort of put them on the pedestal they deserve as yet. So do other places around the world put them on more of a pedestal than Australian collectors do? Yeah, certainly. I, I believe the USA market, particularly in the Hot Wheels, any of that sort of stuff, they're worth huge money. And... Uh, but it's just not a lot of it out there. That's what makes it expensive and valuable. If it's rare, that's the go. Hey, Darren's next question. He's interested to hear if DDA are going to release their new 143rd, aka Trax cars. Yeah, that's. Um, I've, I've checked in with uh, Diecast Distributors Australia because they bought all the Trax moulds uh, probably late last year. So their first batch is is on the way. Uh, hopefully hitting our shores before the end of the year. And the first four they're going to do are HQ One Tonner in Lona Ranger, the 69 HT Monaro in blue. There's an EH Wagon coming as well in blue and 67 XR GT in the Avis White. Now, there is the second wave will be another four and that's going to hit our shores probably early 2021. And they're looking to do colours in these moulds that tracks never did. So... It allows tax collectors to continue that collection as well. Sounds good. Uh, John's got a question. A lot of Craig Lowndes fans on the podcast. Uh, any plans for a Craig Lowndes VF Special Edition road car being made? Yeah, great car to uh, have made. I've, uh, I've hassled uh, Bianchi over the years about that one because they do have a, v a VF SS, but there are some tooling changes that would need to happen and it's just not quite on the radar yet, but I'll keep, you know, giving them a nudge and uh, see if we can get them to uh, get something done. Keep nudging, keep nudging. Uh, Innes with the next question. Uh, this is a great way to get your question asked. Listen to the latest podcast today, 
Bloody good they are. We'll take that. There you go. Uh, he's, uh, Ida says, like the most valuable cars that didn't win Bathurst or Championship section, but he'd like to hear one on the most valuable 118th Australian road cars. So that's one for us to file away for a future episode. And he'd be up for a Bathurst winning Volvo S40 for sure if one was ever made. So uh, we've got one. Um, I'll have one. You'll have one. So there's three. I'm sure there's yeah. a few other people out there because – Bathurst winners, uh, Bathurst winners, and that's a hole in the collection. So I think that there'd be a few people up for that. Well, I hope uh, Innes and our, our chat last week has inspired someone to uh, look into that little project. Um, but I love his uh, idea on the Australian road cars that have sort of gone through the roof. So I see that as a bit of a challenge for Minnes. So thanks for that one. And uh, just keep an eye out on some uh, podcasts coming up. All right, well, I'll leave you with that one for a research mission for the next couple of weeks before you present your findings, Mr. Camino, before uh, we get to that. Well, we've got plenty of episodes left in the year. We do these podcasts every fortnight. Of course, we've got uh, Bathurst coming up, so we'll do plenty of stuff relating around Bathurst winning models as well. So keep tuned to the upcoming episodes. Dave Wilson's question, uh, loves the secondhand market discussions of, of values and what's the most valuable. Um, could this be a regular topic with different themes? Well, it is. We've been doing it throughout the course of the pod over the course of the year. Uh, he'd really like to know the most valuable models of Bathurst winners and 12 hours. So we'll do Bathurst winners over the course of upcoming episodes. And he says, can you get Lounsey as one of your guests on your podcast? Mate, I've been trying for ages to get him on the V8 Sleuth one, but he's too busy or he's here or he's there. Uh, Let's say that if I get him on the V8 Sleuth one, I'll twist his arm and at least record some segments to insert into our Motor Focus model podcast. That sounds like a good deal. Uh, Michael Gooch, so really there wasn't a question there. It was more a um, yes, we will, and yes, we are already going to do those things. Michael Gooch, uh, why have the major brands, Classic, Bianti, Apex, Authentic, never built a Ford panel van? There's been plenty of Holden's built, Sandman's, Concept Sandman's, etc., cetera, uh, but never a Falcon panel van. Why is it so? Why is it so? Yeah, look, the, the Holden Sandmans were perfect for, you know, the anti-auto art to roll out because they're, they're sort of vibrant, exciting colours, and it was like maybe a sports car range, if you call it that. Yeah. But the Ford brand never really had anything major that I'm aware of uh, that, that sort of fit that same kind of really cool liveries and, you know, V8s and that sort of thing. Now... Tracks have done a few panel vans and the Oz Legends in the 132nd scale. We've got some little uh, Ford panel vans there as well. So, again, it's that, that old sort of question of why don't they make this? Why don't they make that? They just can't make everything at the moment. But uh, let's hope that uh, we do see a 180 panel van in the future. Dave Petty's got another question, and it's why aren't they making Fords of some description? Uh, the theme is continuing. Uh, why no BA Falcon Utes in 118 scale? Yeah, okay. He's asking uh, pre-BA Falcons there. So oh, pre-BA. Yeah, it's the same sort of... I'd have to give the same sort of uh, answer there to Dave. Again, there are there is content there, but, you know, they just can't make everything at once. They're trying to get that volume you know, versus something different sort of scenario. So, yeah, I don't know about that, Dave, but um, let's keep the pressure on. We've got a lot of pressure to keep on these model manufacturers. I reckon you've, you've said that to about 20 in the last few weeks. I hope you've got enough fingers to keep all the pressure points pushed in here. But, hey, uh, Bradley Sharp is next up. 
why does Bianti make so many of the same model? For example, the Brock A9X, when they could and should be focusing, according to Bradley, on models that they haven't produced like the VH, the VC, the VP, why do they keep on producing um, more of the same similar-ish stuff? Yeah, look, I get Bradley's point there. Uh, they are making similar cars, but each one ha does have a bit of a significant moment there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they're sort of, again, utilising moulds where they can, you know, and then turning some of that profit into <clears throat> some new moulds. So the VH, VC, VPs, yeah, that'd be really cool. And the Brock stuff, I know Classics have done some, but one day we, we'll see Bianti's versions as well. So, um, again, it's that, that, that cash flow problem of uh, producing new moulds and, and all that sort of thing. Tooling is expensive. That is the moral of the story that we've uh, probably had the answer to a range of questions over the course of the podcast in the last few weeks. Caleb uh, says, great podcast. Tick. Uh, just started listening. Tick. Keep listening, Caleb, by the way. He says, are models worth any more or less if they're displayed outside the box versus leaving them inside the box? And I reckon they are better if you leave them in. I'm no expert, but that's my personal feeling. Not to say that I don't get some out and put them in my, my cabinets here at the office, but um, is it better to – is there any change? I guess the way I would look at it is, is there any difference if you bought a model and never pulled it out of the box versus – pulled it out of the box, displayed it, put it back in the box, secured it, fastened it, put the screws in place so it doesn't move. Uh, you know, anyone would never know that you had it outside the box or if you had it outside the box for a very long time or damaged the packaging. Do the first two tick the box okay or just the first one? Look, I think uh, it, slightly it can improve the price on the second-hand market, probably more so with the earlier models that... Um, were screwed in and had straps over the bonnets and doors and things like that. Now, we buy plenty of collections and I'm not too fussed if it's been out of its box on display. That They are made for that. And uh, we encourage people to do that with their collections. So is it worth more? I'll say maybe slightly. But if the model's in good condition, you know, not covered in dust and things like that, if it doesn't look like it hasn't been out of the box, we're not saying say it hasn't, but it won't really affect the price that much to, in, in my opinion. But if it's outside the box and it doesn't have the box anymore, that will really hurt. Yeah, that really hurts. Or if it's the box has been damaged uh, in any major way or the certificate's missing and that sort of thing. Uh, Bradley David, next up with the next uh, couple of questions. Bit of a three-parter, but uh, a couple of good parts. He's actually got onto the Motor Focus Model podcast because he's been listening to the V8 Sleuth podcast. So look at this, cross-pollination between podcasts. It's a thing. Uh, first question, where's the best place to buy second-hand 118s? Did you put him up to this? Uh, no, I didn't, but it's a very good question. But do you, have, you don't have questions on your V8 Sleuth podcast, do you? Is anyone saying, I heard about the Sleuth podcast from listening to the Model podcast. We don't do uh, Q&A podcasts very often. We, we, we have done them and we will do uh, some more. In fact, uh, this very week as we release this podcast, we've got a Bathurst quiz with some cool prizes, but we'll do a Q&A next week. So a bit of a build up towards Bathurst. So I would expect that someone who listens to this podcast when you see the call out for questions to the V8 Sleuth podcast, 
make sure you tell us that you listen to the Motor yes. Focus Model podcast and then we can see our cross-pollination going both ways. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah, there might yeah. be a question from a, from a Dimitri Camino. <laughs> How do you play so, cover dri- How do you play the best cover drive in indoor cricket? Something like that. <laughs> uh, where is the best place? I reckon it's motorfocus.com.au, just quietly myself. Yeah, yeah. well, you're correct there. Uh, look, we it's a, it's a really good question. Uh, yeah, obviously, we do a little bit of the secondhand market selling. Uh, some of your bigger model stores that buy collections are great places to sort of have a look around because we all can't have the same thing. So mm. definitely keep an eye on uh, some of the some of us big guys of the industry. You just flexed your <laughs> muscles while you said that. I did. Uh, other places to buy, uh, there's some really good Facebook selling groups um, that you can find. Um, we do a, we also do a motor focus uh, Facebook group where people are listing models for sale as well. Then you've got uh, eBay and Gumtree style of platforms as well. So yeah, it's, it's a combination uh, because the secondhand market can be hard to find a model, so you're just going to have to scout all those areas. Number two, uh, part of his questions: If a car was worth, say, so this is about used cars. If it was worth 200 brand new, for example, on the secondhand market, what do you expect the drop to be if it's for sale by itself, i.e., no box uh, or with no certificate? How much of a drop, maybe percentage-wise, would you be looking at on a on a on a one eighteenth so? Yeah, so the, the old general rule was a model is worth half the value without its box. Now, like I said, that is, that is a general rule because if it's a, a very rare popular model, you're probably going to get more than half. And if it's the other way, you're going to get less than half. So that's the general rule. Um, when, you, when you're looking, it's, it's just going to be up to the, the, the model and the person that's um, wanting to buy it. Another part of his question, just to finish off here, it's great to have a new collector join in the collecting world. He says, of the current releases, which companies now and in the past have made models that are less desirable? Because I think to some collectors, if they're in resin, if they don't have opening doors and bonnets and boots and things like that, he's assuming that the resin ones are less uh, likable, I guess, in the 118th collecting community. Is that a, a general viewpoint? Is that an accurate view from someone new to the scene? Yeah, look, it definitely is, uh, only because a couple of reasons. Um, obviously, we want maximum details in our models where the wow factor, but also traditionally our Australian 118 scale models were all opening parts. So when we hit that period where we started getting into lower runs, uh, you know, the market wants new molds, they had to consider resin. So... When that first came about, there was quite a bit of an uproar from collectors because they were just so used to having everything with opening parts. So, um, yes, they are less desirable when compared to die-cast opening, but, you know, the, the, the collectors have realised the problem and if they want a particular car and it's only getting done in, in resin, well, you know, they, they will uh, generally pick it up and uh, be happy with it. Just got to suck it up. It is how it is because of uh, the way of the world. So it's better to have it in resin than than not at all. Uh, it's like this year's Bathurst. Better to have a crowd of what eight percent of the normal size than no Bathurst one thousand at all. Elliot's yeah. next up. Loves the podcast. Keep it up. We will. He's wondering if there's ever been or will be uh, a DR thirty Nissan Skyline uh, of the 
Bathurst and Touring Car Championship cars or the the uh, the HR31 that was that was the car that ran after that because they'd be I reckon they'd be a real hit and there's a lot of different liveries and um, specification to be able to to pick between years and uh, there'd be a lot of different variants to do but any chance? Yeah, look, I agree with Elliot. It'd be great to see those cars. Um, last year, I had a chat with Classic Collectibles because they were heading down the path of any new moulds they were doing in diecast had to be a three-door, or sorry, three opening parts, so a two-door with a bonnet. And uh, because of the cost of making that mould as opposed to a, a four-door car. So I sent them a heap of information and some ideas on those skylines. Um, they did do a, some assessment but weren't ready to sort of hit the push on them. So nothing's happening there at this point in time, unfortunately. I, I really hope someone can make those cars. Um, there's a lot of cigarette advertising in that era, but that's okay. You know, the, we can handle that. Um, we've had plenty of cars without cigarette advertising that we've been able to uh, produce the decals and, and get them done. Greg's so, next up. Uh, he says, we don't need any more Brock A9Xs. I think he and Bradley Sharp can hang out because they've got the, the same point of view. He says that they should build the Bob Jane A9X Tirana from uh, 77, 78. There's plenty of A9Xs that, that need to be built. Uh, I'd agree. There's plenty of them out there to be built, but obviously, will they sell enough? And um, is it worth a while of the manufacturers to do so? Yep, I think we're going to see some more next year. Uh, it may be a difficult one for Bianchi with the minimum order quantities with Auto Art, but talking with classic collectibles now that they're sort of they're able to put 400 runs together if they do say three cars at once. So uh, I can tell you now there'll be some other A9Xs uh, being announced next year. Oh, you've got me from, interested. Nice. From classic collectibles, yeah. Okay, interesting. And th that probably leads us to just a point that we've mentioned on this podcast, but for those who might be new to collecting, the concept of pre-ordering, if you want the Bob Jane A9X Tirana or the Peter Jansen one or the whichever one it is that you want for your collection, pre-order it. Put the number in to make sure that Bianti or Classic or Authentic or whoever it is is making whatever model has the confidence and the knowledge and you putting your hand up that they'll go and make it because don't sit back. Don't put your hand up, expect them to make a bunch of them. And then you go and buy one. If you don't put your hand up to pre-order, it could kill a whole chance of that model being made at all, or make the run so small that you'll miss out anyway. Yeah. Look, that is the nature of the beast of this industry. Um, that's the process. They, they, they gain the numbers and um, then, then they, make the decision whether they have to uh, can it or proceed. So, look, we do we do plenty of pre-orders and we don't take a deposit. So don't feel that if you do pre-order it, you know, someone's going to come and kneecap you if you don't take it. So <laughs> we're not like that. Um, but it generally, it definitely helps the process and uh, helps us get cars across the line. It's probably a good point to mention too that you, you're not asking for people to put the money down. You're just asking for them to actually say yes, I'll put my hand in the air for, for one of those. Craig Pearl's got a really good question. I think I know the answer, but I don't like the answer. But anyway, any plans for a Scott McLaughlin Fujitsu DVS title winning 2012 Falcon FG? Unfortunately, it's a no right now, but there should be plans for that. And I hope there's going to be a plan for that in the future from 
uh, one of the one of the makers because Scotty is you know top of the tree at the moment, and uh, that would be a really cool car to add to his story in in model form. And we've always talked about this in previous episodes. Drivers who are stars now or going to be stars in the future, people backtrack and want to get the early model cars that perhaps were released when they were a no one or on the rise. Um, and occasionally, too, that they were still on the rise, so that model car wasn't created to start with. So this would be the primary Scott McLaughlin car to fill a supercar McLaughlin collection, no doubt. Craig Dwyer... I don't think he's actually asked a question here. He's made a statement, but I think I get his point. One twelfth HSV VL Commodore Walkinshaw, come on, do it. Well, Craig, he's been a little bit um, greedy here because I know he's probably got a one eighteenth in his cabinet, and he's got a one is to one scale in his. <laughs> I think it's in his house. It's that nice. So I, I like his point, and. Um, yeah, I agree with him. Let, let, let's just get it made for just for him and um, and everyone else can buy one too. But, yeah, no plans at this stage. Okay, Robert Knights, does anyone have any plans for ZA to ZD Fairlanes? Only Trax has done one in 143rd. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, unfortunately, nothing on the horizon for the, for the beautiful Fairlanes at this point in time. There are some American versions done which are similar, but certainly not the same. So... We're just going to have to wait a little longer, I think, to, before that one becomes a viable uh, model to be done. Okay. Paul Pedersen, uh, I like this, any wacky races cars around? Looking for an army, uh, an army surplus special or a bulletproof bomb? I remember that they had the wacky races. We talked about this, didn't we, on the last episode? They were on the Dick Johnson cars in 2006, the V8 Telecom and First Rock Home Loans cars. But uh, can we get wacky? Are there any of these things around? Yeah, look, I had to put a call into uh, old Tesla that works for for Motor Focus because he's a bit of a guru on on uh, models that are related to movie, TV sort of stuff. So he said, yes, there has been things made over the years, um, but probably nothing from about uh, last time something was done about the year two thousand. There was this brand called Kenson that made they're only small sort of models uh, similar to a sort of a Hot Wheels size car. They did two volumes and the first volume had six cars, the second volume had five cars and uh, to make the 11 wacky races. But uh, they would be really cool in a one-eighth scale. Um, I don't know if anyone will ever do them. You know, it's it's got to be a worldwide release, that one. And, um, yeah, we're just going to have to keep dreaming on that one. Keep dreaming. Tell them they're dreaming. Tell them they're Paul, dreaming. Paul Peterson's a very good dreamer. <laughs> well, Daryl Hamilton's got our next question, so you can uh, tell him whether he's dreaming or not. Will any company start making some Mitsubishi uh, Evolution models ever again? Yeah, Daryl Hamilton, I think he, he dreams of Ferraris quite often. <laughs> uh, but also he likes his rally sort of uh, cars as well. Now, I'm not exactly sure if he's looking for anything in more recent years in the in the Mitsubishi Evos. Uh, we can get the Evo 10 in 180 scale resin at the moment, but uh, I just have to get him to clarify. But I'm pretty sure he's probably looking for 180 sort of rally cars and um, just hasn't been a lot done. 
Okay, another question here from Rob Thompson. Do you think we'll ever see 118th scale supercar or touring car models take the path of F1 diecast and include a replica driver sitting in the driver's seat? What's your thoughts on it? Would it be viable? And he says also, can we get another update on the Glenn Seaton and Alan Jones EL Falcons? Or I think they might have been EFs from memory. Yeah, really, really cool idea from Rob there with the with the driver's figurines in the cars. I would love to see it. And when uh, Authentics first got going and I kind of sort of said to him, well, how about you do a figurine to be different from everyone else? Uh, but is it, it's not really the cost. It's it's the amount of work that would go into producing the, the liveries on the helmets and, the, and the, the race suits and things like that. So hasn't quite happened at this point in time, but um, I, fantastic idea. I, I would love to see it. Uh, checked in with Richard Poole on the on the Falcons. Uh, it's one car that's keeping him up at night and ruining his sleep, I think. Um, there's been further delays, unfortunately, and he's now hoping for a sort of pre-Christmas release. The pack leader car is going to come first, then the uh, Glenn Seaton car. All right, fingers crossed. I know there's been a lot of people who have been waiting very patiently for a couple of years for those ones to come on through. They will be really worth it when they do turn up. Pete Murray, he's got a few dink. Now, this is not the Pete, you know, Pete Murray musician, is it? Could be. I don't know. Well, if it was, well, if he because, if it is, we expect a message next week. Uh, he says he's got a few Dinkum Classic cars. In 124th, he's got the VK Group A, the VL Group A, and the, and the Walkinshaw VL. Are they worth anything? Yeah, they certainly are worth something. Uh, Dinkum Classics were around before, you know, the Antian Classics really got going. Um, sort of the, the, the time when... No one really chased anyone for royalties and that intellectual property lawsuit sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, they, they really pioneered it back then and um, uh, they were a little less detailed to, to obviously what we get today, but that's the way they were when they first started. So, yeah, they are worth money a little bit before my time. Um, so I can't really give a quick comment on, on values, but, um, you know, they're definitely still collectible and um, people do chase them down. Justin's question. Great job on the podcast, guys. Good way to get your question asked, Justin. Will anyone be making Kia Stinger models? Now, my little take on this, if they ever make a V8 supercar, heck yes. But could you see a, a road car version? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a car that, you know, it's becoming one of those sort of, uh, it has a bit of a cult following, you know, mm. it's it's well-priced for, for what you get. And um, so I think in the future we will see, you know, maybe a 118th model done by someone. But at this stage, the only thing I've seen in a Kia Stinger is a little Hot Wheels car in a blue colour. So he's just going to have to start small and hopefully uh, he can add to his uh, collection in the later years. From little things, big things grow. That's the saying, and, and model cars are the same. Stephen's question, it's not model-related specifically, but it's still very relevant to the podcast and collectors. Uh, all things considered, are there any plans for another Diecast Expo in the not-too-distant future? If so, where would it most likely be held? Uh, look, Stephen is a massive Expo fan. He's a massive model collector, huge Ferrari collection as well. Um, so, yeah, look, the COVID sort of thing has put put a bit of a stop on actually holding a expo event. 
you know, we, we really wanted to do it next year because it, it would be our 10th year, our 10 year anniversary from our first one. So we can't really plan to have one right now, but I will reveal I'm working on some special expo models. Ooh. Uh, with, with one will be sort of set around a 10 year anniversary sort of thing. And we might throw a couple of other special releases in there just so people know we're still going, we're still alive. And uh, it's an important part of the, of the diecast collecting uh, sort of community. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me get this straight. So is what you're saying that if there's no actual physical expo, there might still be expo model as in special version cars that previously were only produced for the expo. So even if there's no physical expo, there might be some expo edition cars. Yeah, that's correct. So I want to sort of, you know, celebrate the fact that we, we had a crack 10 years ago and we're still going. So we're just working on a, on a few things at the moment and hopefully I can make some uh, announcements later in the year. So when you said 10th anniversary, does that mean that the car or some of the cars you're working on are 2010 cars that raced in that period? Or am I, or am I reading between the lines too much on this? Yeah, I think you're reading a little bit too far between okay. the lines there. So, okay. yeah, just, uh, it's just to celebrate the 10th anniversary. Okay. I was I was trying to get a little bit more out of you, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, you will reveal more in future editions of the podcast when there is some more to reveal and, and the time's right. Thanks, everyone, for the, the great list of questions. We better move on now into our secondhand market discussion. And the subject for this one, normally we're all about when things go well. But this one, Dimitri, is a bit more about when things don't go so right because that's the nature of life. Not everything is... Um, easy breezy and fantastic all the time. Sometimes it doesn't go the way that you planned it. And the same is with models. Sometimes they just don't work out as they were supposed to. Sometimes they have little problems or defects or issues that are beyond the manufacturer's control. So the topic here is models that are rare and popular but need your attention before you buy them. And there's some significant cars here on the list. And first up, there's no more significant a car in Australian motorsport history than the Alan Moffat Coke Mustang, but you've got to keep your eyes peeled for these ones quite literally. Yeah, that's right. So I've sort of looked at um, this topic. Um, you know, we're not having a crack at the makers. It, it, these are sort of models that have developed problems over time and uh, for, for, through no fault of them, uh, but it can be a process in the factory. Uh, we're talking about, you know, blistering on paint, or a real bad case where, where you get that paint defects. We call it die-cast cancer. You get decal cracking, panel buckling, and things like that. So, yeah, the Alan Moffat Coke Mustang, uh, it was re-released in recent times. I haven't seen any issues with them, but the, the ones that was, were sort of done by Alan Moffat Racing, oh, gee, 17, 18 years ago, I think it was, they can get some blistering in the paint. So it's just something to keep an eye out. On, on that one um, and you know you're probably paying around $300 to, to $400 for that model so definitely worth uh, having, a, having a look at the, the paint on the bonnet on the roof. And I should point out we're talking about here aren't we 118th scale stuff right throughout this this segment. Yeah. Uh, so the next car is if um, 
the Brock fans think, ooh, is there a Brock car that I need to look out for? There is. Uh, the, the Bathurst winning 1972 uh, Tirana XU1. Uh, the stripes are a little bit of an issue on some of those occasionally. Yeah, again, these were, were produced by Auto Art gee, 20-odd years ago, and it's just uh, it, it's not overly noticeable in a cabinet, but when you have a, have a closer look, uh, so they have like a, the, the stripes that run up over the roof, and I think what they do, they've, they've laid down like a decal and then clear-coated, and I think it's a bit, almost as a bit of shrinkage-style sort of gaps. Um, that's just something to keep an eye out on the auto art ones. So the 28C and also the number one from 1973 Bathurst car. So just keep an eye out for that. Uh, you know, you're still going to pay, you know, $500 for a 28C Bathurst winner and, and up to $700 for the number one, which, which came in a display case and everything from, from uh, auto art back in its day. The number one is so realistic, it has no fuel in the fuel tank. Correct. <laughs> There's no uh, Dougie Shivers pu- uh, pushing it, though, uh, down the pit lane. Uh, this year, would you believe it, is the 30th anniversary of the win at Mount Panorama by Win Percy and Alan Grice for the Holden Racing Team, HRT's first Bathurst debut. That's one of the models I have in my collection that I have never, ever, ever taken out of the box. Most of them I've taken out to put on display, but that one sits in its display box in the display cabinet. Um but the bonnet is one to just keep an eye on on some of those ones. Yeah, that's correct. I've seen over the years the odd, the odd 1990 winner, uh, VL Walkinshaw's bonnet, uh, it, it can buckle. It can get it just completely be out of shape and they can become quite brittle. And uh, when you open them, they can kind of snap off. So, again, just one to keep an eye out because you're going to pay roughly 700 bucks for, for that model at this point in time. So... Ask that question before you hand over your cash. You should also ask questions about the 77 Bathurst winning Moffat Jackie X uh, XC Falcon hardtop. This has been done by a couple of different manufacturers, but I think it's the classics version, isn't it, that you need to keep an eye on. And this is a buckling issue as well. Yeah, correct. I've, I've seen a few of the uh, 77 Bathurst winner, like you say, from classic collectibles. It is just the boot and, and it sort of, raises up and uh, as I don't know what's happening there but they can raise up and and almost be stuck to open and then if you put a bit of force to open that boot they'll just snap so auto art ones uh, have been fine I haven't seen any issues with them so uh, just keep an eye out for that classic collectible one but and, you know it's kind of a $600 model and uh, the Bianchi twin set that was done many moons ago it can be up to $1200 so uh, again, I just want people to be careful of those. The year after the 77 win, we had the Cobra Falcons from the Moffat Ford dealer team and the Bianti version of that Bathurst car. It's also got a bonnet issue, but that's more a paint issue from what I believe. Yeah, it's similar to what I was describing with the 28C uh, Brocky Tirana. It's um, it's just a bit of separation of, of almost the clear that, that, that's on the, on the stripe on the bonnet. Um, very cool looking car. It's one of my favourite liveries of, of Falcon hardtops. Um, paying around $500 for that one. So classic collectible version. No issues that I'm aware of, but just keep an eye on on the uh, Bianchi one there. BAGT road cars, uh, the classic version of those. Uh, there's something to keep an eye on there too? 
Yeah, it's what we call that, that paint blistering and it's just quite subtle in the clear. Um, so the BAGT road cars at Classic Collectibles did beautiful models, great detail, but over time there's just a bit of that blistering happening and uh, you'll pay three to $400 for an example of one of them. And as we mentioned at the very start of this segment, this is not a smash up on the model car companies. It's just something for the collectors to keep your eyes on just to be aware. It doesn't mean that they're all like that. There yeah. might only have been a handful out there that um, got through the system or have had these imperfections or issues over the years. So by no means uh, is it a case of every single one of these cars that we're talking about every, you know, if there were 2000 made, all 2000 have the issue. Uh, it's just a case of some of the issues that Dimitri and the team at motor focus have seen in their many years of, uh, of working in the industry. The Holden effigy is a very special cool car, uh, but it's also got a paint blistering thing to just keep an eye on before you, you hand over your bucks. Yeah, that's, that's another one that we see that, that tiny bit of blistering on. And, you know, again, in a cabinet, you, you don't notice it, but, you know, if you're going to hand over sort of $700 for a car, uh, just make sure it's not a, a, it overly bad. Uh, the effigy also had some beautiful uh, sort of badges placed on it and to, to make it in model form. It's almost like a, a sticker decal and sometimes they can get a little bit of lifting as well. But again, nothing you can, you can do about that. You can't blame anyone about that, but just keep an eye on that as well. To finish off our second-hand market segment, the Dick Johnson uh, Green Falcon XE. Uh, this is the, there were a few versions, but the 1984 Bathurst car that he drove with John French, uh, you, as you call it, die-cast cancer. There's a little bit of that that you've seen on some of these. Uh, unfortunately, with this one, it's, there's quite a lot of it. And um, we think it's had something to do with when the moulds have come out of the process of making them before painting, maybe something wasn't cleaned properly, uh, but it's it's probably the the one that's the worst model I've ever seen with that. It's like a corrosion happening underneath the paint. And again, not Bianchi's fault, it's come out a long time after the model was released, but uh, one that you're gonna have to just keep an eye on that. If you're gonna get one of them, you know, pick, pick the cleanest of the dirty shirts is unfortunately is how we have to word that one uh, and you'll pay you know, 400 to $600 for that model. So this is the Motor Focus Model Podcast where we tell you to keep your eyes open and be aware before you buy. Uh, great stuff, mate. I really enjoyed that segment. That's something for everyone to keep an eye on. But by no means, don't be perturbed by going and buying those cars and adding them to your model car collection. We're just saying, be aware that there are some small issues that we've noticed with some of those, some of those over the years. I mean, the, the guys at Bianti and Classic and... Um, authentic now and apex in the past and so many of these manufacturers we know it they work their asses off to make these cars the best that they can be it's not in their interest to have cars that have mistakes or issues it, it, it's out of their hands these things happen so we just want you to be aware of them before you uh, whether you're embarking on a collecting uh, or a collection i should say or you're a long-time collector who's looking to add one to to fill a gap somewhere in your collection so uh, the second-hand market segments have been real winners this year, Dimitri. So we will keep on doing them right throughout the course of the rest of the year. Uh, don't forget the MotorFocus website's the place to go, motorfocus.com.au. There is always plenty of stock. There's plenty of specials on the website too that I've noticed in recent times. I might just have to dive back on there and put in a cheeky order for that 10 buck flat postage here to Melbourne. It might get here in about 2022 with the way that uh, the postage system is, is working here at the moment. Just quickly before we go... 
what's the state of play? Uh, I know we're getting some questions in our office here in Melbourne uh, relating to Bathurst. Will there be merchandise there for the people who are able to be there? Uh, is it still to be decided? What's the update from your end? Yeah, look, we haven't heard a lot from supercar uh, management at this point in time, and it was a similar sort of thing with Townsville. Um, they're making decisions as late as they can. So we know that they've said there's only going to be 4,000 spectators at this point in time. Uh, so our biggest issue with attending the event isn't really the crowd number, it's, it's the border closures. So we go across into New South Wales right now. It's, it's, uh, we can't return without the um, mandatory uh, self, or, sorry, isolation and quarantine and all that. And uh, so that kind of knocks us out at this point in time. But... It's pretty fluid and, uh, you know, if we can be there, we'll be there even if with a smaller crowd. But that's all I know at this stage. Time will tell. We are recording this podcast a bit earlier in the week uh, from when it comes out. These podcasts are released every Thursday at uh, lunchtime. Sorry, every oh, – let me start that again. Every fortnight on a Thursday at midday is what I was trying to spit out. We're recording this one earlier in the week, so things may have changed. As always, check the Motor Focus Facebook page and, and the website for the, the latest of details. Mate, fantastic to catch up. We've got so much to talk about in upcoming episodes. Uh, we are up to episode 10 for our next episode. We are into double figures. We can raise our bat to the, uh, to the grandstand. I'm not sure. We probably need another zero at the end to get to 100 before we can do that, but... Hey, you've got to take the small milestones, don't you? Certainly, mate. Who, who would have thought we'd get to 10? So I should have thought about it way back and organise a, a 10th anniversary podcast model. <laughs> I think that's, that's going a little bit too far, but uh, uh, yeah. I'd be up for it. If it's a V8 sleuth car, that'd be pretty cool. Let's work yeah. together on one of those, hey? Well, you never know. That sticker's been on a few cars over the years, so we need to make sure that we... Uh, we get them all on our on our rack. Anyway, we are done for the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Dimitri Camino again. Thank you, my friend. Episode 9 is in the books. Thank you, everybody, who's been tuning in, sending the questions. Keep them flowing. Keep the uh, topic ideas for secondhand market flowing through or anyone who's prominent in the, in the, the model industry that you'd like to hear from that we could potentially have as a guest in an upcoming episode uh, subscribe to the podcast then you'll get the notification on your phone or wherever you you listen to your podcast that the latest episodes live whether you're on apple or on spotify or google um, leave a review as well we love to hear from people on uh, the podcast platform and of course uh, make sure that you keep those emails flying on through and the social engagement with the motor focus uh, page on facebook as well so dimitri again you can go and do some research you've got to do some 118th road car stuff some bathurst stuff and we'll chat again in a fortnight's time look forward to it noons and uh thanks for to all the listeners for uh their feedback and uh input great stuff there it is episode nine of the motor focus model podcast We'll join you again in a fortnight's time for our landmark anniversary celebration 10th episode.